Hello and welcome once more to Country Roads Confidential. I am Chris Anderson, publisher of Ear Sports, the West Virginia site on the 247sports.com network. It is Wednesday morning, at least when you're going to hopefully hear this. And it's Kansas week. West Virginia travels to play the Jayhawks in Lawrence, Kansas on Saturday afternoon. The suddenly rejuvenated uh, offensive juggernaut, Kansas. Uh, both teams two and one at the moment. This is the first game of Big 12 play. And West Virginia coaches and players met with the media today to kind of begin that preview of this weekend's game. And our own Mr. Mike Casaza was there flirting, as always, with Neil Brown. And, and he's back now. He's done. Mike, how long is this man crush going to go with Neil Brown? Let's start. Let's start there. Let's get it out of the way. How's it going? Well, I'm glad I can make it because the math club met earlier this morning and uh, we talked geometry and angles and things like that. And I, I put it, put out the word to the club that I could probably get the football coach to come to the next meeting. Awesome. So it's happening. Uh, one, I'm over with my wit, my observational prowess uh, and just exemplary questions. And to the point now, he's, he's slightly intimidated. He doesn't want to nerd out in front of the room anymore. Um but a, a good moment. And actually, we, we mentioned this before in the last podcast about the, the topic was the angle to snaps, which I think once or twice in the first game, not at all in the second game. And then frequently in the third game, the snapper was snapping to the punter at an angle. And I thought it was really weird. And I just kind of figured that it was because the punter, Josh Gordon, it helped him a little bit. He didn't have to move. The ball found him. He didn't have to find his spot. Um, that's not what happened, actually, and it had nothing to do with his steps or his rollout or whatever. It just had to do with staying a little bit further away from the backside pass rush. So, again, this is a very detailed staff we've understood by the kneeling and the analytics and just little elements like that. But um, twice now against opponents, they've been, I would say, alert to the punt block and specifically that backside edge, which you can't protect quite as well, and somebody who's going to gun through there and leap at your punter. And if you can just move your punter a couple feet to the right and you have a snapper who can you know, who can take that without any type of issue and can still make the snap, and the, the, it's going to travel a little bit further, which, again, is going to give that backside end more time to rush. But if he can get it there with some velocity um, and he can cover that distance and there's no difference in the operation time, then you get yourself out of danger and you don't have to worry about getting a punt block which is interesting because West Virginia schemed up a way to block a punt in the very same game. Um, Chris, the ball, believe it or not, does have three sides. I was asked if we could stop referring to that uh, with the coaching change, and the answer is no, obviously, because Neil Brown is putting a lot of emphasis there. He, he covers that. He begins every press conference with a recap of the previous games going side-by-side, side, all three sides, offense, defense, and special teams. And so far, it's paid off. Uh, the things you just mentioned there, Josh Rodden had a big game with the way he was punting the ball. Evan Staley got a shout-out from Coach Brown for the way he was uh, directing his kickoffs, uh, other than the, the one that he got out of bounds. But for the most part, special teams play this year has been above average to good, maybe, even. We're, we're, I know this is your forte here, and we're starting things off just – Right up your alley, but it, would you say think that's safe to say about the, the unit as a whole so far? Yeah, again, I don't think that they're going to beat Missouri with great special teams play, but I'm not sure that they're going to beat James Madison 
and uh, NC State without the special teams play. I mean, they took they took points off the board and they put points on the board with their special team, which is pretty good. And honestly, like I know that that Staley has mishit a kick and then they missed on a squib kick, but I like the fact that they feel okay doing that. I like the fact that they saw something on tape and said, "Hey, we got a kicker, you know, let's give it a shot and see what we can do." Um, that's pretty good to me. Like I don't. I don't remember them really trying a lot of that stuff in the past, but the fact that they just saw something on tape against Missouri and wanted to steal a possession and thought they had a chance, you know, that's, that's okay to me. Um, and then again, this is small sample size stuff, but like right now, Staley has seven touchbacks. I believe he had 25 last year, which isn't a very good number for as often as they kicked off. I think it was, it was about 27, 28% of the time he kicked off. You don't want that. Really, you want closer to 100, of course. Um, and he's not there now, but he is doing things where he can get the ball through the wind. I want to say he's kicked off 15 times and has seven. That's that's pretty close to 50, which is good. Um, and again, two of those were just kind of, you know, seven out of 15, but two of the 15 are scheme kicks. So they tried to squib it once to steal possession and try to, you know, drill one into the the uh, return team before to you know make the return compromise. But um Again, I just like the fact that they're looking at all this stuff and they're trying to find ways to steal possessions or steal field position because, you know, again, this is a team that's going to have to work those margins to you know, create advantages or to minimize disadvantages. I like it. I don't think you could bank on necessarily blocking field goals or punts all the time, but if you can avoid stuff by moving your punter, if you can have your kicker do some things that you're not accustomed to but he's suddenly good at, that's a good sign. So I think that's something that, that, that's going to become more and more common, but um, increasingly common doesn't mean it's any more important than it is now i think it's been important to them since the very beginning Um, tuesday's media availability was not just filled with mike and coach brown Mm. nerding out on special teams Uh, there were a few different things going on coach brown talked about some changes that he made some injuries and we're going to get to that too but what also was different this week is that uh thanks to i'm assuming some unnamed knuckleheads (laughs) that (laughs) obsess over game notes uh west virginia did not for the first time that i can honestly remember i I haven't come back and checked did not release game notes to the media on monday afternoon as they usually do and and in those game notes is typically a depth chart and over the years we have gone over the fact that that depth chart means not much it means something but not it's not the end all be all to who's going to start or play in the coming week despite of how it's listed in the game notes. So this week there were none, at least not released publicly. And then on Tuesday, as Mike arrived to Neil Brown's press conference, he was handed an updated depth chart. We posted it on the site. Many of the changes reflected what we already saw on Saturday. Um, Except I, I think we have to take it a step further here because now those people, uh, I'm sp- specifically looking at, let's say, left guard. Those guys are back. Like, Mike Brown is back. He is no longer injured. But James Gmitter is still listed as the starter. Uh, at right guard, we're still unsure what's going on with Josh Sills, but he is on there and on there as second string behind John Hughes. Uh, and Tevin Bush is no longer suspended, yet is second string behind uh, Winston Wright. Where do we? What do we take from this, Mike? What 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 jumps out at you from what what you're seeing here? Does any of this mean anything? Uh, is there more thought put into this now? Here's what I think. I think they did that Monday night 
depth chart as just they were getting work done. And what they do is they put those notes together Sunday and Monday and they finish and they send them to somebody and somebody prints them up and then they're in a box for us when we get there on Tuesday. I think when they were done on Monday nights, they were just putting that up. And I know this for a fact. I think before I even worked with you, Chris, it used to really tick people off that you found the notes. <laughs> like it was just published. And like they would put it, this is the truth, on their website, they would put it under the tab of game notes because when you're saving these things and uploading them, you have to give it a directory. Just like when you're downloading a file or saving a file on your computer, it's the same thing. You have to pick a folder and all that stuff. And they were doing that, but you were finding it. Um, this year, they were actually sending out an email, um, which I don't think was what they were doing the last two years for sure um, when this became like a real thing. But they... Um, it was an email saying, here are your game notes on a Monday night. Typically, they waited till Tuesday on that. Um, so I think it was just a service to us. And I think, like, it, it just became so big. And honestly, like, and you pointed it out, and we can point it out to you kind of snarkily, but, like, it became such a, a silly thing because you're going to get it the next day and it's going to be different even a day later. They just stopped doing it, maybe. And maybe it's a one-time thing, but I think we're going to see more of this where it's just given to us on Tuesdays now, and then you don't have a lot of time to ask questions about the depth chart because – pretty quick turnaround when you walk into that room and brown comes in like brown's not always on time but he's not necessarily you know 20 minutes late so even if you walk in a couple minutes early you're only going to have a couple minutes to look at the depth chart and start to think of like what to ask and what to do about it um and that's kind of interesting today because there are some things in there and i think a lot of people were quick enough to understand without even looking at it, there are going to be some changes um i don't think bush is in danger of losing his spot because i don't think that they want to break Wright's red shirt I just don't think there's a lot of snaps for him. Um, they're going to have to play Bush because Bush is good. I know he might have acted out and gotten suspended for a game, but he was still pretty valuable before that. The goal was to get him back on track and point in the right direction. But do you really want to lose Wright's red shirt for half of what Bush is getting? And then you want to take half of what Bush is getting and giving it to a freshman? I don't know. I think the other ones are permanent. I think Jennings is playing. Um, I'm not sure Sean Ryan is this week, and if he does, it's not going to be 100%, it sounds like. So Jennings is definitely not going to redshirt, so he's definitely a guy in the mix at X right now. I don't know how you can take James Gamitter's starting spot from him. I know that you don't lose your starting spot by injury or illness in some locker rooms, but Brown, to be frank, hadn't played great, and fatigue was still a thing for him, and he was overwhelmed a couple times. Gamitter not only played the whole game wasn't fatigued, he got better as the game went along and was really effective. And then right guard, I I don't know, you can talk about this, but here are some questions about Sills. When, if, he's coming back, and that's probably why he's not higher than number two right now. Yeah, Neil Brown was a little bit uh, cheeky about that. He kind of said that he didn't know what, we didn't have an update on if Sills would be available for this Saturday. He, he came right out and said, Mike Brown's going to be ready, he's going to play. Uh, I'm trying to find the quote here. Josh, Josh, we're not sure yet. We'll find out later in the week is what he said. And we've been hearing about a, a couple injuries that Josh has been dealing with, and apparently they're not new. Um, we've heard of a an ankle injury, foot injury, some kind of lower. Uh, how do they how do they detail it in the NHL? Lower body extremity. Lower, lower body. Yes, lower extremity injury. We don't want to get too specific here. Uh, my understanding is that there is a lower extremity injury and an upper extremity injury, and. They're both older. Uh, they both he's had them for a while. They've been nagging, but uh, a couple plays there in at Missouri aggravated one or both of them, and you know obviously th- things build up over time. That's part of the uh, the, the issue with football: wear and tear on your body. But when you have real live injuries and you sit out and then you come back and you get hurt, 
you have to make some tough decisions and is it, is the best answer rest uh, is the best answer rehab is the best answer surgery and i i'm guessing here that you know that could be part of what's being discussed what's being decided by josh and his family i think this too he wasn't going to play last week um and they knew something was wrong and they're going to know about him this week there's a window there that doesn't make any sense so i'm trying to think that's probably they're, they're trying to take more certain steps as to what's going on, which means he's probably going to get looked at and they're probably going to have to figure out immediate short-term and long-term fixes. And like you're saying, there, there's a lot of things you have to weigh there. Um, it does not sound like he's going to be ready to play on Saturday. And if he does, uh, he'll be limited because he won't have practiced very much for two weeks. I'm not sure that's the guy you put out there right now, um, which is sad because this line could come together and I don't think he's backup quality. I think he's starter quality. And, you know, you'd like to think that if he took a day off and got himself iced up and ready to go, he'd be a real good ass right now. But if this is something that's, that's affecting his mobility on both extremities, Chris, um, that makes it hard to play college football, uh, especially on the offensive line. Um, and I think this is a guy too, who, who was thinking or at least being mentioned in conversations about the NFL. Uh, it's hard to get those dreams out of your head. And, it's also really hard to um, it's hard to think about stuff like that right now when you just want to get in the field and this is happening around him right now and I'm sure he wants to be a part of it. Um, so I think that they're going to have to make a really careful decision as to what he does and, and like I said, weigh a lot of factors. But they're not better without him, um, but they're far better with the right version of him and it's just a matter of getting that right version back. Yeah, if he's healthy, and even even as they wait for him to get healthy, whenever that may be, that, as Brown said, you're at seven without him and eight with him as far as a rotation on the offensive line, and that is where you want to be, right? You, you want to have eight. So West Virginia's offensive line, as we mentioned after the game against NC State, maybe this was kind of a blessing in disguise having Brown and Sills sit out this past game so that West Virginia could find out that they had the depth that they needed all along. So. Let me ask you this. Uh, Kansas, big defensive line. You can look at their numbers, and they're 6'4", 6'5", guys, 6'7". Um, pretty big defensive line, and good athletes, too. This will be as good as probably Missouri's. Um, I mean, good defensive line. And they've seen, honestly, they've seen three already because JMU was not bad at all. But this will be as good as Missouri's, I would think, just based on what people have said. And, and again, it's a Power 5 team. But let's assume no sills, and we have our seven there. Um, who else do you think travels? for this trip because remember last time no Tyler Thurman uh no Adam Stilley I think Junior Uzebu traveled yeah he um, did but they're gonna need a third tackle at some point is that John Hughes who's a right guard right tackle uh is a Thurman who just isn't involved right now like I wonder how many other players and who do you think travels on the offensive line because you're now one short on that do you add another one which means you're taking away from another position or do you just go with you know, nine. I think you might just go with nine. I'm looking at the depth chart now. You got McKivitz and Uzebu, Gamitter, Brown, Mays, Barrett. That's six. Hughes and Wickline. That's eight. Blaine Scott. Blaine Scott. He's on he field goal PAT. Okay, so that's nine. Yeah, wow, well, man, man. I think maybe you do go ten because I think you're right. I think maybe. Are we certain that Hughes can play right tackle? No. Okay. <laughs> then 
if we're not certain of that, then I think you have to take Thurman. I think he's next on the, you know, on the list for tackle, one of the tackle spots. So if you're not certain that Hughes can play right tackle, I think you take Thurmond. Okay. I'm going to continue this for you. Um, receiver, Sean Ryan may or may not go, but let's say he goes. You probably need another receiver. You have Jennings, so that maybe takes care of that. So you don't worry about that. Um, you think with the number of positions and people who can play two positions, you know, you have guys who can probably play both outside spots. Uh, TJ Simmons can play inside and outside, although he has not really this season. Um, you can probably get away with just one slot guy. My point is, you can still cover your position without as many players. Do you borrow from receiver because you're going to have to take away from somewhere, or do you have an idea where else on this roster you might take from? Because they were at 70 last time, and don't you dare say one of the holders stays. <laughs> no, not one of the holders, one of the long snappers. I would. Oh, I'm sorry. You... Yes, my, that's my gimmick too. Shoot. And and have you seen Rex Sunohara? Uh, amazing snapper, amazing diagonal snapper. Uh, great in coverage. Why would you need another long snapper, Mike? Don't need it. That would be where I'd cut. Um, I'm trying to. Where's the travel roster? Because I think I remember I was surprised at how many defensive linemen traveled. And now there's one less. And now there's one less. So I don't think you can uh, can eliminate there. So do you get rid? Well, and you said. We don't get rid of Trent Jackson, right? Quarterback, fourth string quarterback. Yes. Maybe, maybe, I mean, are you really going to take up a roster spot for the fourth, maybe fifth string quarterback for, I mean, yes, he signals in the play calls, right? I I think that's why he's traveling. So I guess that is important, obviously. But, ooh, I'm scrolling through here. Uh, Eli Eli Drummond? But no Knipper, and you're playing Timmons a lot, and if Timmons takes one the wrong way, he's got to come out. Do you just rip out all those pages in the playbook? Because he was really good last game, and if you yeah. if you practice that stuff during the week, I don't know if you can abandon it. I think that's not a bad idea, but if you're looking at, you know, you're not deep at receiver, or excuse me, tight end right now, so you can't just plug one of those guys in to have him to do what he does either, because then you can't play your two tight end sets. Oh, I think I know where I'm, I'm probably eliminating somebody. We don't need three kickers. You don't need three kickers on there. You got, I mean, like actual place kickers. You got Staley, according according to our list for the travel roster for the first away game, Evan Staley, Colton McGee, and Casey Legg all transferred, or all tra- traveled, excuse all me. All right, that's your right answer, I think. Okay, yeah, don't you, touch my long snappers. No, we, I think we leave, West Virginia leaves Legg at home. Got to think about Kyle Poland at long snapper, staying home. And yeah, because I was thinking, I was going to say Sam Cookman, the defensive end, but he's obviously in there on some of these special teams units. And you're down an extra defensive lineman. I think he's got to go. He's got to. He's got to keep traveling. So. Well, here's yeah. the problem with Haley and why you can't. Excuse me. With Kyle Poland and why you can't take him. What if Sunohara goes pro at halftime? <laughs> oh man. You got to cover all the conditions. Yeah. Something else, too, is that um, in the past, uh, Hensley hasn't traveled. Uh, don't think Charlie Benton has traveled. Sooner or later, those guys will either get healthy or get in their good graces. Oh, but, yeah, and we got to add Letty Brown, too. And also, yeah, so, again, this is going to be really interesting to see what they do. And now I feel like we're going to have to have a whole new you know, d- debate discussion here, or at least an article on, on that. But um, Hensley and Bailey, or excuse me, Hensley and Benton are interesting names because of one of your fixations for a while. Um the middle linebacker spot, which 
is about to get better if um, Shea Campbell can keep this going. We talked about him after the game, and we've written about him a little bit since, and he was certainly discussed in depth today. It sounds like he's a fix right now. Yeah, Brown touched on it today. I, you know, I've been pounding this home. I don't want it to make it sound like I'm anti-Tonkery. I just think his best fit is outside, not really inside. And I got embarrassed two weeks ago when I was certain that Tonkery wasn't in there for half the game when he ended up playing 90% of the snaps. Uh, but last game, it ended up being mostly Shea Campbell in the second half. And Neil Brown said that, you know, quote, he played well. He was productive in his snaps. He did a really nice job, did a nice job blitzing. He's a smart football player, and he looked quicker. Uh, he noted that Campbell had been injured in fall camp, got hurt after two days, so really didn't get to participate, didn't get to go through, uh, you know, once they actually got the pads on and had real live fall camp and practice. So he was way behind, and, and Brown said he wasn't even really kind of back into it till the Missouri game. So I think you might see him eat up more of those snaps uh, the in the coming weeks. And then, of course, decisions will have to be made about Vandarius Cowan. I know, obviously, he was working at Bandit before, but if Bandit's... Are we going to say, is Bandit okay right now? No. Or, or No, okay. Then never mind then. They played Qualls way too much their last game, and Koenig even came out and said that today, and, and I'll step in here for a minute. Um, I think they want to keep Mike about 50-50 between those two. Um, yeah. Who stars would be interesting, and it may depend on opponents too. Um, but if if a team's going to run it like we think Kansas is, you're going to need a lot of Campbell. What that means for Jake Abbott, I don't know. He did not play much of any defense last game, but they need a third guy. But I think they're so unhappy with uh, Bandit right now that I don't know what they're going to do. Qualls played way too much for him to be effective, and you can tell he was he was really fatigued and couldn't get off the ball and couldn't stay off of blocks. Um, Sandwich played I don't know ten or so snaps and was okay. Um, you can tell he was fresh, but I'm not sure that he's got quite the same presence in there. I don't think that they're pulling the plug on Diamante Lindsay yet, Bandit, but I don't think he's a fit there. I think he's more of a guy who's going to you know, cover people and not really stop the run or blitz. I don't know how you look at the situation now where it's getting better at Mike and it's not getting better at Bandit, and you don't somehow think of a way that um, Cowan ends up at Bandit and is at least going to get a lot of chances to prove one way or the other whether he can or can't do it. And that's... That's one week away. He's back for the Texas game. Mm. It's a whole bye week, too, to kind of get integrated into practice, figure out where he fits. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Uh, you know who else got a shout out today? And and we mentioned it after NC State that we're seeing spring ball and fall today. Yeah. Hakeem Bailey. 
Neil Brown said that that was the best game he's played that Brown has seen, which not only obviously it's only been a couple games since Brown's been here, but Brown said that he went back and watched every game that Bailey played last year and that this his performance against NC State was better than all of those. We You asked me, I said, yeah, I think so. Does West Virginia have two good cornerbacks? Is that no longer an issue for West Virginia? Yeah, and they can play a lot. I think Bailey played every snap last game, and Washington only came out for a couple. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's pretty much what they do. It's not that they can play three corners in conference play and get by with it. So when you look at what they've done, though, um, they're number two in the country in pass breakups. So they're, I think, well taught, but also they're old enough guys that, you know, if they see it, they go get it. So that's good. Like Bailey's been around long enough that he should know. And Washington has been around long enough that he should know. I think those are pretty good, pretty good veterans to have out there. So that's not a bad thing at all. Um, I don't think there's many teams that have given up fewer long plays in West Virginia. It seems like they just haven't given up a lot of long pass plays. I have them for three plays of 25 or more yards. Um, There are 12 teams that have had less. That's pretty good when you consider how worried they were about their safeties and everything. And one of those plays was a double move that Bailey got beat on, but he knocked down a touchdown pass in the end zone. And the other plays are tight end seam routes, which are not on the cornerbacks. Those are on your freshman safeties, uh, or at least freshman safety, as it were. Um, it's okay right now. Those corners are pretty good outside, and their middle guys in the safety spots are getting better as they get older. Um, I think it'll be fun to keep an eye on Kerry Martin and how much he plays because he was pretty good last game, and he's not better than Norwood. I'm not sure you can stifle him just because Norwood's still there. Um, the cat one is interesting. It's Mahone who's been pretty good, but Tyke Smith is coming along too. At the very least, these two freshmen are going to play and play better. Um, there's no reason that this shouldn't get to a point where you know it can be reliable in Big 12 play. I'll say this: like I'm not sure how great your secondary has to be in Big 12 play because it's kind of relative. Like everybody's going to have bad plays or bad games or bad players. Um, so this kind of goes back to what the coaches say: your your worst can't be a disaster. So as long as you're keeping plays in front of them and yeah, maybe you give up completions, but don't give up the bombs. That'll be okay. Which is kind of relevant here because the NC state receiver had 12 receptions. He was targeted 23 times uh, and he only had like 103 yards. So those are weird numbers and large numbers and maybe they're concerning, but like about half of the times he was targeted, it was completed and not even 10 yards of reception. That'll do. So if you can find a way to get, you know, quality play at those two spots. And again, just make sure it's not terrible. Um, that'll be good. The trouble is they only have one interception so far and they've had their hands or they had a shot at a couple others. They're going to have to finish some of those plays to get those possessions back because you can't ask this to keep up um, with the pace and the number of plays you're going to see in the conference. Not that you need the confirmation, Mike, but I did just look it up. Uh, West Virginia, number of 30 plus yard plays allowed one through three games, which and is on Bailey. Uh, which is three, uh, you know, tied for third in the country. Only two teams, Iowa State and Wisconsin, have zero. Uh, so about four other teams have 30. And this is a huge improvement over the past few years. I just went back and looked at the last four years. West Virginia was ranked 44th, 96th, 49th, and 90th in 30-plus yard plays allowed over the course of a season, the last four seasons. So this guy... I, I don't know what to think about that. That kind of messes with my preconceived notions about this defense being more aggressive and allowing bigger plays on occasion than what was in place the past few years. 
And I mean, that's, that's good news. If you can be aggressive and not allow the big play. Let me ask you this. Um, two corners have played, I'm going to say in excess of 90% of the snaps. Sounds not, ridiculous. I mean, not, it's, it's true. Probably, it's probably close, but it's probably close. Right. Um, there's, there's no fourth corner right now, barring an emergency, but um, you have two tackles. You have two nose guards, one of which is a 17-year-old true freshman who's starting. You have two defensive ends because one is out for the year. Bandit we talked about. Will is probably capably handled with Chandler, Lowe, and Lindsey. Mike we talked about. Spears is Stuart Reigns and Bonamico, and Bonamico is probably a special teams player. Uh, we mentioned free safety and corner. Uh, excuse me, cat safety. Um, there's not a lot of three deeps there, and they want to play three deep at some positions, but you don't have to have it all. I'm not really worried about free safety. Corner may be concerning. Um, are you worried about snap counts and accumulation, or how worried are you, and at what positions? Well, I think this was the problem with, with West Virginia in the early years in the Big 12, is that they had Big 12 caliber starters, but didn't have the death behind them. And as the season went along, they just kind of fell apart. Injuries, wear and tear. Um, you need that depth. I, I'm <clears throat> with you. I'm not sure it's there. And it's going to cause some problems uh, down the road. I think it'll rear its ugly head. Might cost West Virginia a game or two here. But so far, knock on wood, that, you know, it, it, it so far so good. There's been a couple injuries, obviously, but. West Virginia's kind of plugged and played with the guys they have and have done all right. And it certainly helps having all these young guys that are game ready somehow at 17 years old. I don't know many 17 year olds that can do that, but it's impressive. Do you have ESPN plus? I do. (laughs) I have had it for a while, although, um, are you, are you going to ask me to live stream my stream? I'm going to ask for your username and password, actually, because <laughs> I do not have it, because I don't watch a lot of sports, believe it or not. I have no interest in watching ESPN+. Plus. Although I've been told that the Les Miles documentary is a, a marvel of cinema, so I might have to get in on that, I guess. But um, I, I think it's – I want to point this out, too, because I feel hypocritical. When this Big 12 Now thing came out um, – and I even asked about it at Big 12 Media Day, but like I talked to the athletic director here, and he's like, well, I don't really know – which is interesting, but it's also not West Virginia's year. They get rolled into it next year. Um, there's like a, a rolling debut. So it's half the Big 12 this year and half it next year. So we don't have to worry about this too much. And they vowed they were not going to put their football inventory on this Tier 3 property because football games are not Tier 3 property. They are the property of Fox and ESPN. Um, so the two networks have, and I'm pretty sure this is right, um, but the two networks kind of have a draft, so to speak, about the games they want. And it's it's not as simple as like a snake draft and pick one, you pick one, you pick one, you pick one. But they have properties and they get to pick them. So ESPN took these two games and like put them on ESPN Plus, which is what we were told wasn't going to happen. Um, it's this one and it's Kansas State against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, which is probably a pretty good game. This one is they got bailed out because these two teams won last week and it's suddenly exciting. But like. Their explanation is, we think it's a way to get subscriptions up. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But, like, this is this is concerning because they don't seem that they have a great plan for what they're doing. They really hit the ground running and probably uh, stubbed their toe a little bit here and there. But um, I wondered the reception of this first game because I'd love to know what the number is and how they measure it and what they thought it was going to be. Um, I think they got lucky that both these teams won. 
But I know people who just, and I know a lot of people who told me this, and and they will not get it because they don't want to have to pay more. They think it's like a cheap way to weasel money out of you and stuff like that. But I'm I'm very intrigued to see the production and also the reception of this game on Saturday. I'm with you. It's been discussed a lot on our board about just what you said. This is just seems like a way for ESPN to try to con people out of a few more a few more bucks, and the Big Twelve is just kind of throwing the fans to the wolves here. Um, and the other part, the other angle here for a lot of West Virginians, it's not even really possible. Like the internet's not capable of kind of keeping up with a full stream for HD quality viewing. So they're either not going to get it or they're going to get some SD blurry, jumpy, uh, you know, pixelated version of the game. And it's not going to go well. I don't think. I think this is going to be. There's going to be a revolt, um, yeah. off off of this. What and, really bugs me is that this is a cool platform if it's done right, and they could be created and they can have original content like a Les Miles documentary, or you yeah. can embed and have hard knock style shows with Bob Huggins' basketball team, or with Mike Gundy's football team. You can do stuff like that. You could do series where you go around and you you know you do a crib style thing, or you do coaches and cars with coffee stuff like that, right? You could do things like that, and this just says that they're not interested in doing that right now as a way to get the popularity up. To me, it just says, you know what? It's going to be a place where you put games on, and you can watch some stuff that maybe you can't get in other channels where it could be a real draw. Not a convenience for the network and a nuisance to the people, but like a place where people can come and say, hey, I'm going to watch this thing that I've heard a lot about. Um, these, these places, they kind of measure themselves on hours watched. And if they're only going to go on hours watched by the games they put on their live, um, I kind of feel like it's a failure and it's really disingenuous by them. It's not an offering to give people more. It's a way to get people more from people or get more from people. Yeah, I, th- I was under the impression when this first uh, was discussed and it first came out that, hey, this would be a great way for more baseball games to be yep. out there, more women's basketball games to be on TV for or any of the other sports that you might want to see that aren't typically shown on national television. And that was the draw they were going for. They were going for the hardcore fans that want to see all of that stuff and would pay for it, pay the extra for it because they weren't getting it before. Now they're just giving you something you were already paying for and asking you to pay more. And I think, uh, you know, we're saying the same thing here. I think that's the big problem. I wonder what Jeff Long or Shane Lyons or, or the ADs and these schools except two of them are going to say in their next meetings when they have to deal with just full inboxes and a stack full of messages to return and just general questions or displeasure with this. And what are they going to do? And they say, why are we doing this in Oklahoma and Texas aren't, you know, why are we doing this? And we're getting stuck on a four 30 in the afternoon on the big 12 now when we were told that wasn't going to happen. I wonder like what the pushback of the recourse is or if there will be any, and I wonder if it's even like just a handshake agreement these first couple of years to, you know what, let's experiment and let's figure out what looks right. These are going to be rocky years or a rocky year, whatever, um, and we'll try to get it right. Because my hunch is that this is not going away. This is going to be a part, if not a feature, um, of the next TV contract. And I don't know, if they muck this up, that could really turn people off in the future. And you know, cord cutting being what it is, maybe this is a way around it. But if you mess up the cord cutters and you don't you don't keep them on your side... It doesn't really serve your aim very, very well, uh, effectively. You know what, Mike? I got some good news because mm. we will have that answer because we might get in touch with Shane Lyon on Country Roads Confidential Plus. Uh, we just need our listeners to hang on the line for a second and uh, text in their credit card information and, and then they continue listening. <laughs> 
It'll be great. You think that works? Is that a good I, I business plan? I think it's a great idea. And the fact <laughs> that you just sprung it on people out of nowhere, even though you and I talked about it, we weren't going to do this for a couple more years, but if you want to put it out there, okay. I can't on. wait to open the super private second double VIP plus message board. Uh, and that is also just, just another four ninety nine a month and we'll be good. Uh, and you do it just because people will pay. You just assume right. they're going to pay. Why wouldn't they? I mean, they're yeah. going to because we'll tell them to. What do you think about the game itself? Never mind how we're oh. going to watch it, but the what? game itself. Oh. Um, I don't know. Do we know what Kansas is? I, I sure don't. I saw it. I saw them. I saw a Kansas team that played in week two, scored on the first drive with no problems, and then couldn't could hardly get across the 50-yard line and didn't score for the rest of the game at home against coastal Carolina. And then I saw a team that not only had its best passing output of the season, but also nearly doubled their average yards per carry in the third game in the third game against Boston college at the same time that their best passing and best running game at the same time and doubled up a Boston college team on the road that they were supposed to lose to by three touchdowns. Chris. Um, yes. I have a take. Is it hot, spicy, medium, buffalo? Uh, I only type in other mints. <laughs> I don't know. One of these teams is going to lay an egg. It's not going to show up and is going to pay for it. I'm Ooh. not sure it's going to be a blowout, but I think that one of these teams is going to say we were sloppy in the first quarter. We didn't play well in the first half. Uh, we got boat raced in the, in the second quarter, whatever. I think these are two teams that have really good momentum and could be fooled by that momentum. It depends on how they handle these next couple of days, but both these teams did not get the start they wanted and thought they would have for different reasons. I think West Virginia had the foundation of a pretty good team if things went in the right direction, and they didn't necessarily, and they got it right. Um, I think Kansas is a team that thought they were supposed to be good because they have a national championship winning coach and a fresh start is good for everybody. And it didn't go right the first two games. And all of a sudden, everything goes right on the road. Um, both these teams come in with the arrow pointing up. I don't know which one of them is going to be able to hold it up. It's very possible that this game also stinks. And it's two teams that <laughs> say the same things about the first half or whatever. I don't think it's a blowout because I'm not sure one team can do it to the other, despite what we saw last week. Um, it just seems to me like for the reasons that you pointed out, um, some coincidences. I have a hard time believing that their habits for both these teams quite yet, but maybe this proves me wrong in one direction or the other. But I think what we're going to find out is that one of these teams did not handle it right and was kind of, you know, iron pie right in their hands that they pulled out of the ground. And the other team is going to be better because they realize that the third game was not an indication of the next nine. It was a reflection of what they learned from the first two. And that will make it better in the fourth. Here's my question about Kansas. Is Carter Stanley a quarterback that you can win five games with? Uh, he's been, I think he's been benched like three times already at Kansas. Uh, looks pretty horrible uh, in week two against Coastal Carolina. Not great in week one. Okay, not great. And then completed 75% of his passes for three touchdowns at a what was supposed to be a fairly tough Boston College team. I mean, I, I think they should be one-dimensional because they have two great running backs. There's no denying that. And I think if West Virginia can 
shut down can can put eight in a box and make Kansas beat them one on one in the edges, make Carter Stanley make tough throws, then they can win the game. I, I think that's the key for West Virginia because I do not I am not a Carter Stanley believer. Just not. I'm kind of surprised that he's the quarterback because the mention the, the reasons that you mentioned, I mean, he could not hold the job down for the past few years. And I was wondering um, if he'd be able to do it or if Miles would just say, I need something new. I need somebody new. Um, I don't think he had the great quarterback that maybe he thought he was going to have. But I also thought maybe Thomas McVitie was going to be an interesting player. He's a really athletic kid. He's a transfer, but like he was a good junior college player and was a good FBS recruit. Um, but obviously something that they like about him, um, Stanley, that is. So Sure, give it a shot. Um, can he go up and down the field on you and beat you? Um, I'm not sure. We'll see. Um, but I think it would have been cool to play two pit quarterbacks in the first four games of the season out of the school. So that would have been fun. McVitie came from Pitt. I think he actually played special teams at Pitt, so he's no joke athletically. Yeah. But something about Stanley, um, I don't know. He just he looked good in the highlights and the parts of the game that I saw when I was like, oh, my God, what's going on in Boston College? And I went and I turned and I watched it, and it was interesting. Um, he looked like he was okay, but it looked like they just sprung a total surprise on them and really opened it up and spread it out and played a very different offense. And I don't know if they can shock people twice with that, but maybe this is kind of who they are, and they're good at it now too. Uh, it's a really good question, and it starts and ends there because – they're, they're talented at running back. Their offensive line is, is good enough to get those guys going, and those guys are good enough to make the offensive line better. I think they have some receivers and pass catchers. Their defense is, is all right. You know, it hasn't, that's not the reason that they lost some of these games, uh, or the one game, I should say. So, you know, it does come down to the quarterback. Can he move the ball, and can he keep him out of trouble? Can he convert on, like, third and eight? And I think that's what you're going to try to do. You're going to try to commit things to the, to the box and stop this running game. Which, believe it or not, they did last year. They got smoked by Khalil Herbert last two years ago, and they did a pretty good job against Puka Williams last year. Um, but again, those things don't really matter with all the changes that have happened since then. Um, the one constant is that, you know, for whatever reason, Stanley's been the quarterback there uh, a couple times. And I think you're right. You don't want to put it on one guy, but it does seem like it's pretty simple that he's got to play well for them. Uh, defensively, you touched on the fact that they're they're good they're statistically. Uh, they're in the top half of FBS in most categories. They are. Uh, they've gotten after the quarterback, averaging a little over two sacks per game, which is what third or fourth in the league right now. And they got a couple of players. You, you mentioned earlier the defensive line, big kids, big guys, six five, six four, six seven, uh, long, athletic. Um, and the secondary is pretty good too. Hassan defense, uh, we've seen the last couple years. Mike Lee, West Virginia fans will be familiar with, uh, a former recruit of West Virginia's that was going to be in, in a later class and suddenly just enrolled at Kansas and was making an impact as a freshman a year before he was even supposed to graduate high school somehow. Mm -hmm. And he's now a three-year starter in that secondary. So that secondary is, I am looking at it here, uh, two-year start or two two letter two-year letterman, one-year letterman, three-year letterman. And two-year Letterman at the four start four defensive back spots. At least two of those are starters. Three, I believe, um, from last season. So, can West Virginia move the ball on them? What do they have to do to move them? Mike? I think they got to find the game plan that the the needle stops on when they spin the wheel. 
because <laughs> they were really different last game, um, stretching teams out and going the perimeter. We talked about this, and like I thought they did well to pass outside to inside and run inside to outside, and they kind of had an NC State spinning, and that's not like who they were. And they were like Wyoming when they played Missouri, and they were just a little bit of everything when they played James Madison. I mean, maybe they're funneling things out and figuring out you know, what they're good at or what they're not good at, which would be a good thing at this part of the season. But Brown even said you got to be a little bit different every game, and I think they really want to get their tight ends going so they can have some flexibility with their formations and not put so much on Timmons in the running game. Tempo was really fun to watch last game. It appeared, and they were good at it too. And, like, you don't have to snap it really fast, but just getting lined up quickly and keeping the other team from adjusting or catching their breath or subbing is important too. Um, but I, I think one thing is, like, if they look like a new team – I wouldn't be surprised because I think that they're going to try to change things up. But if they look like, you know, a little bit of the first and second and third game, too, where they just pick out the good stuff, I think that's it. So how have they done that? That's a really good question. How have they moved the ball? First two games, it wasn't on the ground. Uh, they haven't hit deep shots. They kind of pass in the perimeter um, in the early games. And then all of a sudden, they're throwing balls in the middle. And, you know, last game, they ran the ball in the middle to no avail. And then all of a sudden, they started running it outside last game. So you're thinking, all right. Let me play my defense where I'm going to crowd the middle and I'm going to play tight on the outside. Does that mean the West Virginia is going to like you know do something different and kind of invert their attack and really kind of flip around the way Kansas wants to defend them? I don't know. I would be surprised if they don't run the ball well though. I think they're going to be okay um, doing that with some different ideas that maybe they didn't show. Um, not a lot of like power and motion stuff or power encounter stuff. Might have to do that to get those big guys leaning out of the way this week. All right, guys, I think that covers everything for this week. Mike, you got anything else to add before we wrap up? No. Oh, wow, that's a first. I was not expecting that. All right, well. I, I well, feel like this is a special teams game, by the way. I just think it's going to be something somewhere. Um, I don't know if it's a play one way or the other, a disaster one way or the other, and I'm not just saying this because this is what we talked about at the beginning, but like just looking at some of the matchups there and some of the you know the players who are involved. Would not be surprised if something pops on somebody's return game or somebody's block or something like that. Uh, we'll keep that in mind. And listeners, uh, folks, be sure to check back on the website all week long. Uh, I'll be having some bowl projections. Uh, I'll be catching up with Scott Chasen from our Kansas site for a podcast preview and a questionnaire for those who prefer the written word. Obviously, it'll be a little bit different, but uh, same general gist. Mike, what do you got coming up this week? Going to talk a little bit about um, what they're going to do with some of their players on both sides of the ball. Oh, there we go. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I have not, I've not gone through my tape yet. There was a lot of stuff today that was kind of caught me off guard with players, and I wasn't and wasn't I wasn't wasn't ready for um, good things. But like, I have so much stuff and not enough space. I'm going to try to figure it out and put it there. And uh, I promise it'll be good. So stop by and say hello. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up for today. Everybody, thanks for listening. I am Chris Anderson. I'm Mike Casaza. Talk to you next time.